Hello and welcome to episode 88 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Richard McKinnon and I am joined by my co-host Pilar Orti. Pilar, how is it going with you? It's going well and I am delighted to be back to talk to you and to con- reconnect with listeners. Do you, do you miss me when you're not here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you when I'm listening to the show and going... Nyum, nyum. <laughs> I do miss it's it. different, isn't it, when you're not um, participating yes, and you're listening. Yeah, but it's really nice as well just to also, you know, as they say, it puts you in the shoes of the listener and that helps us then. Well, at least it helps me when I come back and I go, OK, that's how it feels like to be listening. So it's all very good. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm often inspired by what other people are doing, you know, in a, in a really good way that oh, that's a yes. really excellent way of dealing with that. So um, it's a great way of learning how to, to get better at things. I had to, sh- I didn't have to, I shared a link to uh, a much older episode of uh, this show with some clients because it was specifically about a topic about resilience we were talking about. And I listened to it before I shared it, just to make (laughs) sure it sort of chimed well with everything. And actually, I think I'm over my deep nausea associated with the older shows because it wasn't terrible. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm going to say. It wasn't terrible. Um, But um, we we definitely have improved since the early days. Great. (laughs) That's good to hear that we haven't gone back. (laughs) So... um, before we dive into our, our, our main topic of the day, we've just got one thing to cover off, actually. I thought it'd be nice to share. We had some feedback. We had an online review. Wow. From, uh, I have no idea who it is because it was on the Apple Podcasts app. Um, well, I, I don't know them personally, but Jen in Ireland wrote us a lovely review, gave us four stars. Um, it was a lovely way to start my day seeing that. Uh, but I thought I would, I would share it because this is the reason I started the podcast. Uh, this, this really resonated with me. So Jen said, I was recently recommended this podcast and I think it's great. The hosts are engaging and the length is perfect for my daily walk. Like many, I've struggled with a lack of motivation and loneliness whilst working at home for the last 15 months, but also feeling overwhelmed and that I'm not getting enough done. These podcasts have given me advice on how to manage these feelings and practical tips like structuring my day, my workspace, and very importantly, my leisure time. I'm so glad I gave this podcast a try. It's well worth checking out. Jen, you made my day. Thank you so much. Because the whole reason behind this podcast is not for Pilar and I to catch up (laughs) every couple of weeks. It's to share stuff that we think might help people who are out there. And yeah, that's all I can ask for. You couldn't ask for a better uh, review. Thank you, Jen. That's amazing. Yeah. So if anyone else out there has something to share, and it doesn't have to be as glowing as that, we just love to hear from listeners. What do you like? What do you want more of? What would you like less of? How could we be better? You can send us a message on Twitter at mypocketpsych. You can send us a message on our contact form, worklifepsych.com slash contact. Or if you don't have questions and you just want to give that kind of feedback, do it via the Apple Podcasts app and uh, everyone will be able to see it. Great. And so, Richard, to accompany Jen in her walk today, (laughs) what are we talking about in this episode? Hello, Jen. Uh, Today, we are talking about email and our relationship with email. 
there's a few reasons for this. Um, one, it, my my mind was sort of uh, sparked by the, our recent conversation when we talked about intentional use of technology. Um, but also, this is something that's coming up again and again uh, while people are in their remote working situation. Um, and even though for some people it's been over a year that they've been working from home, um, it's not like anything has changed. In fact, for some people, the email communication situation has disimproved, not improved. So what I'd like to do in our conversation today is look at, you know, what email allows us to do, why, why it's potentially positive, but also some of the reasons that it is less than helpful and maybe some ways that we can look at this uh, from a different perspective to improve the situation. Great. And I, I think it'd be really good to hear your perspective on this as well. We're both email users, mm. um, but you know there are some things that we know that that make it a, a problem. But hey, maybe maybe we could start with the positives before we go hammer and nails at the uh, the, <laughs> the negatives. I mean, let's remember why email was invented. It was about sharing information to people in another location. And that in itself is almost like magic, isn't yeah. it? That we can send something to someone who's nowhere near us and they can read it and they can receive our message. I think that's still fantastic. And every so often I remember, you know, what it was like before email. I am that old. Um, and how much paper and how much inefficiency and how much, how many meetings uh, there, there were. So there's, a, there's um, an efficiency uh, that comes with email that can be really, really helpful. And and also, um, it enables us to work asynchronously mm. if we're using it properly, right? Yes, because this is, this is one example I often quote of something that was designed to work asynchronously, but has become a very synchronous mode of communication for some people, by which Unintended I mean that we're expecting sometimes a, a real-time reply almost, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So the asynchronous work is I, I do my work at some point in time. And because of the way I do it, when you start your work, you know what's been done and what's to do. And we, we don't necessarily uh, have to come into contact or have live communication because um, the way that we work, it's obvious to others what's been done, what needs to happen next. But if you treat email like instant messenger, then it's, it's defeating the purpose yeah. of that asynchronous method. Completely. It, it does allow for collaboration. Um, it does allow for uh, people who are working in very different locations to be involved in something where maybe previously they might have been excluded. There's a potential benefit there. And, and if we take that a little bit further, we can see that email allows people to work uh, flexibly, work, work remotely, because they don't have to be tied to their desk or their fixed workplace. They can take advantage of the fact that you can get email well, wherever you have signal and um, and work as flexibly as the organization permits. Mm -hmm. So there's a facilitative element to email that it, it permits things that uh, weren't as easy before email came along. But I think it's fair to say we've come a very long way since then and email hasn't really changed, but the way we've used it has really, really changed beyond all recognition. Yeah, and I think looking at this collaborative aspect. I also think uh, I work a lot with other freelancers 
and the fact that you can manage different projects. So you can manage that communication in different ways. So something that arrives on Monday does not need to be looked at and replied to on Monday. So when you're working on uh, projects in parallel, it really allows for that. Um, I think it allows for that segmentation, if, if, if as always, if used uh, properly. And the, mm. and the whole uh, flexible working aspect of it, the fact that, again, that you can receive the communication and address it at a time when you're mostly up for it, when you feel like that's the best task for you to be doing at that point. I think, yes, it's got lots of email. I mean, when, when I'm also, I'm also old enough to remember work without it. And it, it really changed a lot. Um, I, I've got one thought I'm going to hold because, of course, we're going to look at the problems, <laughs> I imagine. So uh, I've got one, one, just one thought around around that. Yeah, it, we've got we've got quite a few positives, and if if anyone out there listening can think of some more positives to balance out our argument, I'd love to hear them. Um, but there's a lot going for it there. Now um, there are some downsides, right? So do you want to start the ball rolling with what's front of mind about why email might be more? problematic than helpful yes and it's more a question or um it's not 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 really a dilemma but it's more a question whether sometimes i am writing uh, an email to someone and i'm always thinking would have this been faster if i was just calling everyone so i'm, I'm trying to go back to before we had email and i'm thinking would it be faster and then of course i remember that sometimes you you rang and because a lot of people used to use the phone. It would be engaged or you'd leave a voicemail or was it the right time, blah, blah, blah. So I still mm -hmm. think that the flexibility is really great. But sometimes, and this comes from someone who likes writing, but sometimes I think, oof, I spend a lot of time communicating, uh, well, actually not even communicating, sending out my message. So sometimes I wonder whether the reliance on it because of all the advantages actually means that I spend more time writing down messages than actually getting on with the collaboration itself. I think that's a really legitimate point. And I think it, it underlines some of the challenge with email, which is it depends on how you use yeah. it. And if you reach that point where you're questioning that, well, then that, that's maybe telling you something, isn't it? Mm. Um, I, I know that my email usage changes depending on who I'm working with. So if my client um, organization is a very large corporate and has a bit of an email culture, then I know my inbox is going to get hammered because the email will be sent to me and 10 others. And those 10 others will all respond to reply all. And before I know it, you know, it, it uh, it's like cutting through the weeds to find what are we talking about here? And is there any action for me to do in this? And that's adding to the work. So because it's there, it doesn't mean we have to use it. Mm. And because we can contact as many people as we like concurrently, doesn't mean we necessarily should. And as you point out, that there's, there's a point at which the email is more work than the goal you're trying to achieve. I'm, I'm reading Cal Newport's new book at the moment, um, A World Without Email. And I, and maybe the title is a little bit misleading because it's not just, you know, a diatribe against email. I think it's a very well put together critique of what, what he calls the hyperactive hive mind, um, a way of working that's using technology communication channels, um, kind of in an unthought out, uh, automatic, unhelpful way. Um, and, um, 
I wanted to share a quote from that because I think we're talking about email, but you could level this at, at lots of the applications, uh, lots of the channels. So he says, um, describing the hyperactive hive mind, a workflow centered around ongoing conversation fueled by unstructured and unscheduled messages delivered through digital communication tools like email and instant messenger services. And he describes it as a sort of a frantic, ongoing stream of activity that uh, because of ease of use, because of accessibility, because of um, ubiquity, you know, everyone has it in the organization, it, it's sort of taken on a life of its own. And, and I think for many people, that's the reality of their, their work. Their job consists largely in attempting to interact with and keep up with this hyperactive hive mind. Uh, to me, that description is really good. And it also reminds me about how exhausting it is to try and keep up with that ever-filling inbox. And sometimes I think because we might not have agreed the way of using it because email crept in and <laughs> very not many people have decided exactly how to use it. it no. It's this message that co keeps going. So it goes back and forth and you never know when to stop replying <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> even mm -hmm. though the conversation's finished. I, I worked with someone once who actually had a code in the subject, um, in the subject, which basically said, okay, that's it. You don't need to reply to this anymore uh, unless you have mm -hmm. something to add. So I think that yeah, I think help that would help to have some sort of way of managing and, and closing those conversations. And also, you know, the fact, as you said, that there isn't that explicit agreement as to how it's going to be used, it, for many people, it's become the default um, rather than any other uh, communication channel, you know blow my mind here, but, you know, speaking to someone, <laughs> picking up the phone or, you know, there's, there's lots of other uh, ways that we can communicate, but because it is so fast paced, it's so instant, there is a level of instant gratification and it's almost gamification, you know, getting that little indicator number down, you know, the number of unread emails, it can be quite uh, compelling. Uh, I won't say addictive, but it can be quite compelling that, you know, I need to, I need to, I need to look at this. Um, and as we've discussed before, if we don't manage our notifications, then the email keeps telling us, look at me, look at me, stop what you're doing, look at me. That That's one of the the big challenges I see when I'm, when I'm working with an individual in a coaching context or with a, a team in a training context and email comes up. I mean, I, I cannot, I cannot um, overemphasize how frequently email is mentioned as a source of distress, of, of job-related stress, of damage to work-life balance, of damage to relationships, um, as being something that's making people truly miserable. So, you know, when it becomes something more akin to an instant messenger, maybe it's time to use an instant messenger and stop using email. Um, and, and I think what happens is the emphasis on trying to this is a podcast, so you can't see me use air quotes, but manage our inbox, it becomes such a focus, um, as if that was the job. And you've heard me say this before, but I, I don't think there's anyone out there whose job title is inbox cleaner upper. You know, it, it, it's ideally not going to be the main focus for anybody, but sometimes it can absolutely feel that way. And that is not fulfilling for this, the sole reason that we can't control our inbox. It fills up 
while we're looking at it. So it's a little bit like trying to, you know, empty a stream with a teaspoon. It's it's almost pointless to have that as your objective, either to empty it, to control it, to manage it, because um, it's all coming from outside uh, your inbox. Other people decide (laughs) what emails you get. You don't. And it sounds really basic, but for many people, they've not looked at it that way. Does does that make sense? Yeah, the, make, you mean that the the trying to get rid of the emails is a, quite a thankless task, or not the point? Is that what you were checking? It, in? Exactly. I mean, in a sense, it means that all emails are treated equal, mm. you know, because I need to get through them. And of course, there could be one majorly important message in there among all the dross, uh, but also that the the quickly passing thrill we get from having fewer emails unread uh, evaporates as the e- the inbox fills back up um so if anything it's it's um it's more like filtering through it you know cutting out the fat looking for the good stuff digging for gold rather than having processed every single email that comes our way because that's just like being on a production line uh, and an unpredictable production line because we we don't set the pace or the number of objects coming past us on the line. So it, it's really kind of a toxic combination. Um, if you were to z- design a job, let me put it this way, you, you would not design a job from scratch that said you will sit in front of a screen and at an unpredictable rate and volume, work will come at you that grabs your attention and almost demands that you stop what you're doing and attend to it. That's exhausting um, and not really very good for us. And you're also making me think of the degree of self-awareness that we need when working with the tool in order to understand how this is making us feel. So for example, um, I am horribly addicted to email because I think I've said here before that a lot of good stuff comes through email. And and so I want to be checking it uh, uh, constantly. And I've had to just learn that that is what's happening and then decide whether I stop with it or not. And then all this, everything you're saying about checking it, about how we react to the fact that it's filling in. And it's it's actually quite a complex, it can get quite complex psychologically, I think. Mm. You're absolutely right, because um, there's, a few, there's a few ways it can get its hooks into us. You know, one, we can just find it to be a bit of a time sink. We can also have a lot of source of upset because of what's in the emails, um, because they're not always clearly written and they're open to misinterpretation. So we can maybe see threats where there are no threats, where we can see aggression where there is no aggression and start to feel those uh, emotions. So the way that other people behave in email can have an impact on us if we're not, if we're not very careful. And, and of course, it can heighten the, the amount of stress we're experiencing if we try and do complex work while jumping into our email you know, every few minutes to see how is that going? Is there anything I need to do there? Um, And people check it um, far more than is helpful. And so it can have a knock-on impact on us. I I wrote a a blog post a a while back. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes. I called it Schrodinger's email um, about that that sense of I, I don't know what's in my inbox until I have a look. And that's upsetting. It might be empty. It's probably not. It's probably got something 
delightful and something terrible in there. But like Schrodinger's cat, we don't know its status until we open the box. And that means that there's almost constant pull mm. when it comes to email, unless we've, you know, we've really renegotiated our relationship with it or, or we, we really don't care. But for many people, it's, mm, it's always there. The inbox is a source of, I need to, I must, I have to. And, and really not a pleasant one. I know for my part, I can't stand it. And I think anyone who's worked with me for any length of time will know that I would rather do anything um, over exchanging long, long emails. They have their place, but there's a point at which I'll pick up the phone. Uh, there's the point at which I'll look at my inbox and go, oh God, what now? Um, and, you know, it's something I'll try and avoid all the time. And that's it's reinforced by by the stories I hear from my clients. So maybe <laughs> maybe we could look at some of the ways that that we can improve the situation uh, for ourselves. Uh, but I think there's a very important point to make that that uh, Cal Newport makes in the book that um, made me look at this slightly differently, which is this is more a systemic problem. The one person in an organization is not going to be able to solve, in adverted commas, the email problem because we have our little patch, but we're part of a system and other people's use of it is a whole part of that problem. So while we as individuals can uh, change our habits and uh, our perspective when it comes to the inbox, we also need organizational leaders to have another look at this and see if there's something that could be done at the system level to reduce the distress that people experience uh, due to inappropriate use of email. If, if I can just pick up very briefly on the organizational point, I think also email, in a way like meetings of any kind, it, there's also the, the visibility aspect to it. There's the accountability aspect. So I'm, I'm talking now about CCing people just because you think yeah. they should know and stuff like that. So I think you're completely right how embedded it is now in a culture and therefore how sometimes we just need to navigate it rather than try to change it. I, I often find myself jumping to a bit of a conclusion when interacting with an organization for the first time. Er, early days, mm. I'll build a picture of them in my mind based on how they behave on email. Yeah. And if I get a very brief message from one person saying, fine, let's do it, or hey, can we have a call later in the week? That's kind of one type. <laughs> but the other is one person emails a big, long thing, and they've copied in a half dozen people. And for me, the alarm bells go off about this. Oh, this is somewhere where you need to let people know what you're saying and it needs to be recorded. And so I kind of need to brace myself for lots of these kinds of emails. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm sorry to say I'm kind of right about that. So it, it is part of culture, part of how we do things. And yet when you join an organization, I bet you're not sat down and told explicitly you need to cover your backside when you email. You need to send long messages. You, need, you know, it, we, we watch other people do it yeah. and we figure it out and we think, well, that's what good looks like here. So that's a big, a big part of the problem. But I don't work at the um, systemic level most of the time. Most of the time I'm spent working with an individual or a small team to help them with an issue at hand. 
So what I thought we could do would be to look at the the challenge of email and our relationship with it through the lens of, of what we often use on this podcast, uh, acceptance and commitment theory or ACT. We've talked about it a lot when we've looked at the skill set of psychological flexibility. And this is all about our, our thoughts and our feelings and what we do with them. Email is not um, uh, objective and neutral. When we see an email, we, we have a response to it. We have thoughts about it. We might have predictions. We definitely have feelings. And our, our behavior will, will result in part from that. So it's really useful to go back and say, what do I think? What do I feel about this? What are my assumptions? What are my automatic uh, responses? And one of the first things I want to ask everyone to think about is the level of psychological discomfort they feel when they think of their email inbox. Because it can be a very strong pull that not knowing what's in there, or indeed the discomfort of knowing there's something in there that you still need to address. There's a, someone's waiting on a response, or there's a particularly challenging email in there. And that, that causes discomfort. And it's really useful to be aware of that discomfort because it can really pull at you like a magnet towards email. That might be the right response. Or the, might res the best response might be, actually, there's something even more important to be done. Or there's something that is much more appropriate to the time and place. You know, maybe it's eight o'clock at night and I'm at home with my family. Sure, I've got the discomfort of not knowing what's in my inbox or that particularly thorny email is in there, but how would I like to be at the moment? So bringing our values back into it and helping us avoid the automatic checking of the email, which kind of erodes those um, boundaries between the professional and the personal and has that knock-on impact sometimes when it comes to uh, relationships and just general satisfaction with, with how we're balancing our roles. So I would start with noticing the discomfort and then noticing, well, how do I respond to that discomfort? Do I automatically respond because I feel the twinge or can I acknowledge it and do something more helpful instead? Does that, does that make sense, Pilar? Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> I have nothing to add. It's it's core to lots of stuff we encounter. So we're just applying this to email, but it's yeah. something that's really useful in, in lots of different contexts. And of course, um, you know, we can have that sense of urgency associated with email, either because one of our machines has gone ping or something has appeared on the screen. But actually... Um, and while that might lead us to do something unhelpful, like try and multitask while doing a complex, um, you know, maybe we're on the phone and we're trying to manage our, our email, um, we can also just pause and notice that tendency that we're doing it and, and check in with ourselves to see, is this the helpful thing I could be doing right now? Actually, what matters in this moment? What's the most important thing to me right now? Is it reducing the number of unread emails, or is it actually listening to this colleague or this client or this friend or being present in this meeting where important decisions are being made or um, being with my team as we do some planning? You know, I'm here for a reason. And I have to wonder how much time is lost in meetings because while one person is talking, everybody else is looking at their email and we miss what's actually happening. Yeah, that, that's another problem. 
<laughs> it's, it's, the, it's another topic, maybe. Yeah, but but also what it does make me think of is that checking email is a it can be like an easy thing to be doing that still feels a little bit like work. So uh, mm-hmm. so it's it's you know it's okay that I'm doing this while I'm supposed to be doing something else. I, I think that's also an interesting point about as many problems as we might have, like everything you're you're describing, it's also, it is part of our work. So to just be in there, even not, en- even not engaging also with the email, really, just scrolling. Mm. So I think that's an interesting point. We can easily forget that it's work as well, um, by which I mean that we'll do it when we're not at work, mm. not realizing it's taking a toll on us. And that toll might be removing us from the context in which we're in, or it could be that at some level, it's causing a little bit of anxiety or frustration or annoyance based on what we're seeing. And yeah, I'm I'm really conscious that people have different ways of managing their boundaries and navigating these things. So this isn't about never do it, always do it, but it's very useful for us to notice the impact that email has on us. Where does our focus go? How does it impact our emotions? How does that in turn have an impact on what we do and say or don't do? So really, I'm asking everyone to have a good think about what what impact does email have on me? I used this analogy a few weeks ago, talking about this, this topic, and I was trying to make it really clear for people. And I said, you know, if you can't sleep at night, ruling out lots of different things, one of the things you might pay attention to is, oh, hold on, how much caffeine am I having during the day? Maybe that's something that's preventing me from getting to sleep. And so the question is, I have coffee. What impact does uh, coffee have on me? I notice it has this impact, so I'm going to change uh, how I use coffee. And it's really similar with email. I use email, and when I use it at certain times of the day or in certain places or if I'm not focused, I notice it has this impact on me. It upsets me. It makes me anxious. It makes me angry. And so what? Well, I'm going to use email in a different way. I think it boils down to that. If you can notice the patterns, then you can start to make a change um, and notice what what kind of person you are when you are overwhelmed by by email when you're opening yourself up to that overwhelm so i've got an example to share with you but before Super. <laughs> but before i say that i mean going back to your point about how it's a systemic thing at the same time as you're saying i think sometimes individuals underestimate how much is under their control to change this and how little they have thought about their own use and how that's contributing to their issue, whatever it is. So along these lines, uh, the example that came to mind, I know someone who, uh, who, who really, in my eyes, really gets the whole uh, flexible schedules and asynchronous uh, communication. So in the mornings, he will send some emails, you know, quite early, like at seven o'clock or something like that. And his manager at one point said, can you stop sending me emails so early? And my friend said, oh, okay, that's the time that I'm doing it. And later on, I don't have time in the day. So he's chosen to, and said, why? It's because my phone keeps pinging. It's like, okay, well, why don't you switch off your notifications out of work? He said, no, because that's the email that I also use with my family and they might be needing something from me. And that is really about having created a way of using the tool 
that is removing all those things we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, all the benefits gone. Mm. So I uh, found that interesting. And that's that's useful for both of them, right? Because many applications allow us to write an email and have it be sent later, you know, being mindful of other people. And of course, the guy receiving the emails didn't know how to use notifications or indeed the, have the preference for separating professional and personal content and realize that that's having an impact on how he is receiving this information. I, I would I would also ask him, how will you spot the family stuff when you're getting everything into one place? But maybe that's for another day. Yeah, but also maybe <laughs> as well. maybe it's more stressful for, for them to have two inboxes rather than one so i think you're right that people yeah, make certain yeah. choices but i think sometimes we'll make a choice without realizing the impact that it might have until something happens like this and then and then we realize yeah i, I think that's really key to what we're talking about here i think if if nothing else i would like people to question the default mm. you have a default when it comes to email is there another way that you could use it not use it access it whatever it might be question your email habit you're probably doing it a lot because that's it's been that way always you know and and someone else did it and you copied them and you didn't know certain things were possible so question it and see how you might allow the technology to assist you and uh, culture some new habits that could help you manage this there's, there's one more point I, I would just like to to, to make before we um, actually have some feedback from members of of our uh, online club but this um, equating ourselves with our email inbox. Um, I make the point regularly, you are not your email. In the same way that I would say to someone, you are not your thoughts. You can have these thoughts, uh, you can have these emotions, but they're not you. You're much more than that. And so what we don't want to do is tag our performance or our self-concept, our self-worth on what's in our inbox um, and how you know, successful, if you like, we are at managing that because that's not what we were employed to do. I'll put money on it now. You weren't hired to have an empty inbox. You were hired to use your your skills and your passion to have a uh, make a difference in your organization. And I, I see that a lot, that it's the I must, I need, because if I don't do that, then somehow I'm a bad person. Um, you could you could admit I'm not a good empty inbox haver. Fine, that's a very specific element of you, but you know it, it shouldn't put a dent in your self worth, um, and it shouldn't be something that takes so much of our our mental bandwidth uh, because it's just a tool. So I reached out to our membership of our online community at worklifepsych.club. Um, if this is the first time you've heard of it, you're you know very welcome to the podcast. And this is a, a free online community that we have that's all about personal development. And so a couple of weeks back, I said we will be recording an episode all about email and asked if anyone had questions or thoughts or if they'd like to share their approach to managing email, because it's always interesting to find out how other people uh, deal with this kind of stuff. So it was really nice to see that we had some feedback. Mm -hmm. There was a few things there. Um, one, we just touched on a moment ago, the, the sort of trend of keeping the personal and the professional emails uh, separate, uh, having different accounts for those. Um, I, I, I thought it was a really good idea. I've never done this to have an, a, another account just for signing up for stuff like newsletters or 
shopping because you know you'll be inundated with stuff once you've done that. So you've got a place there that is not going to have urgent things in it. I thought that was really interesting. I've got that. I have a personal email for stuff that's not work-related. And I have my work email. And at work, I have a different email for newsletter stuff because it's uh, it's also an email that I share with other people. So it, it really separates it. And I used to have another email for signing up for newsletters and stuff, one for privacy and also for separation. Yeah. Nice, nice. I mean, these are these are tactics that will work for some people and maybe are too complicated for others, yeah. but this might be to help you question your default. Um, I liked the theme in the comments about flagging stuff uh, for action, so being clear on the things that do require a response and having a schedule uh, block of time to go back and deal with those. Because I think for me, that's a really important part of it, that if emails require a response, that's going to take time. You need to make sure you have the time. Otherwise, it spills over into your personal time, your weekends, and so on. And email becomes the job. So I really liked that. I'd, I'd not encountered anyone that was so um, proactive in doing that. So well done on that front. I think also one following on from that, uh, the, the concept of creating a meeting with the with the email <laughs> so creating a mm-hmm. meeting an actual meeting in the in the diary for that i i think it's great i think it's also a real recognition as we were saying earlier on that some of this stuff takes time and also needs attention therefore it needs its own slot i really really like that yes because if we respond to complex emails with um not well thought out responses that can lead to more emails and more work mm-hmm. You know, so if we give it the attention that it needs, that might be the end of that, or it might move things forward uh, appropriately. And I myself use two different apps um, for email. I I keep my personal email accessible via the stock uh, standard default mail app. And then when it comes to to work, I use a a different app that I know when I open that, I will see uh, work and I won't see anything else. And that that's something I've I've just done over the last year. And it's really helped me because I want to be able to see emails. Uh, maybe it's to do with shopping or a receipt or something. And I don't really want to have to see everything to do with work um, just because I'm looking for an Amazon receipt. So I've, I've personally found that quite useful. Um, and also, I did go through a period of not having email on my phone at all. Um, I do have the email app back on my phone, but it's now hidden. So I af- actively have to go searching for it if I want to see uh, my email. And I've no notifications on my email on any device. Mm. So I don't get any pings. It- it's up to me to say, I want to go and have a look at that now. And for me, over the last few years, that's meant that I don't think anyone expects uh, a response from me within you know, 30 minutes or whatever that they might get from a colleague internally. So I've been managing that, um, but I could still do with fewer <laughs> fewer emails completely. Yeah, the notifications I've never, I, I did go through a period where I had them on, but I don't have those. Uh, like you, I like to, even if I'm addicted to them, but at least it's coming from me. And I do have also two email clients on my computer, one for my personal and one for the other one. I've got both of them on my phone. What I use a lot because I'm, I, I even put more separation. So as soon as I can, even with clients sometimes, definitely with collaborations, I, I invite them into Slack. 
And really what Slack ends up being is separate inboxes in a way. In a way. And as I mentioned earlier, I like having separate emails and separate invoices, uh, inboxes, <laughs> separate invoices as well. Uh, <laughs> and And I really... I much prefer Slack because of that, because I can really go, right, I am going into here and there I can really manage the notifications. So I can really choose if I do want to be alerted for some stuff. So, and then of course I, I really segment like, um, yeah, I really like segmenting messages. My top tip out of all of this is um, an email application called Spark. Uh, it's free and it has some of the best functionality I've ever seen in an email application. Um, so for example, with one click, I can turn an email into a task in my task manager mm. so that that goes there and the email itself gets archived. But when I go to my task manager, there's a link in the task that will open up that email if I need to read it again. Super handy for, you know, sort of separating the nonsense out of my, my inbox. And of course, it allows me to write an email and schedule its departure. So if I start very, very early, and I kind of do in the spring and summer, I, I have a, I'm an early starter, so I might like to, to write a bunch of stuff, but I don't want anyone out there getting a ping on their smartphone, you know, before 7 a.m. from me. So I'll, I'll schedule things to go out at 8.30 and 9 in the morning. And um, that, that's really helpful because it, you know, removes any sense of, of guilt there. So I'll put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes. I'm not on commission. <laughs> it's a free app, but I found it particularly useful because it has a lot of that stuff built in that allows you to, um, to see what's important amongst all the stuff that you get. So a big thank you to members of the community who shared uh, their thoughts. I hope if you did, and now you're listening to this, it's maybe moved your thinking forward a little bit. So I, say, I think they deserve, they deserve a wave, uh, Adele, Vicky and Matilda. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, if if you're listening to this now and you have additional points, uh, thoughts or questions, uh, send us a message on Twitter at MyPocketPsych or something longer on the contact form, worklifepsych.com slash contact. I don't think we've solved the email problem here today because, as we said, that's systemic and it's going to be very different in different organizations. But if each person listening could maybe just question their default behavior, their default reactions to email and spot if there's an alternative in that moment, I think that could be really helpful. So, Pilar, at the end of another episode 88 it's a nice number <laughs> nice round number we're getting closer and closer to three digits uh, it's daunting richard did we uh, tell listeners how to join the work like uh, work life site club club <laughs> i will again i will again so um free online community all about personal development simply visit worklifepsych.club and it's as simple as registering with your name and your email address to set up a, a free account. Then you'll be able to see things like our monthly meetups that we do online, see the resources that we share, the discussions uh, about the kind of topics that we discuss on this podcast. So if you're a longtime listener, you'll know that, you know, we, we try and make it practical. We can continue the conversation over online in the community. So I hope to see you there. Well, everyone. End of another episode. Thank you, Pilar, for your input and um, experience with email. Thank you to everyone at the club who shared their thoughts. And thank you all for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at 
worklifepsych, or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening.